Good afternoon. I'm Dr. Monique Mundaisy with Optimal Care Pediatrics. With me today is Dr. Torres with Nemours, and he is a pediatric intensivist. So we're going to be talking about the pediatric ICU. First question, what is a pediatric intensivist? So a pediatric intensivist is a pediatrician that specializes in the care of children that have either uh, life-threatening illness or injury or the potential to develop um, organ injury involvement that might be life-threatening. So not every child that has a pneumonia, for example, needs to be in the ICU, but some children will develop uh, worsening of their pneumonia to the point where they may need support like a ventilator uh, to help them breathe, and that's what an intensivist does. We often get confused with neonatologists, okay? but the neonatologists uh, take care of babies that are premature. We take care of everything above the age of prematurity to adulthood. Okay, and then how is the training different from a general pediatrician? So we, we do the training that a general pediatrician does. We do a pediatric residency, which is uh, three years, and then we do three years of pediatric critical care fellowship. So most subspecialists do a three-year fellowship after their general pediatrics. Okay, excellent. And how does that training differ from that of a hospitalist? Well, hospitalists today don't aren't required to do a fellowship, although that's changing. Mm -hmm. um, so hospitalists can come and work uh, inpatient pediatrics right out of residency training. Um, there is a fellowship available that you can take to be a hospitalist, but it's not required as of today. Okay. And can children be cared for in a hospital that caters mostly to adults? They can, um, you know, if it's so straightforward um, that they just need uh, to be monitored more closely than they would on a general pediatric ward, uh, then yes. If they don't need any um, support that is specialized um, for children, uh, then yes. But most of the time, the children who require intensive care are better off in a, in a children's hospital. Okay. And what types of conditions do you treat? You mentioned some, like infections or respiratory issues or post-op. Yeah, so the intensive care unit is really designed to take care of children that require closer monitoring or treatment that is uh, more intense than what you would see on a general pediatric ward. Often the kids are hooked to cardiorespiratory monitors to monitor their breathing, their pulse, their blood pressure on a more frequent basis than every four hours. So major surgeries, uh, so heart surgery would be an example of one of the types of operations a kid would be in the intensive care unit for. Um, orthopedic surgery, major orthopedic like spine surgery, we, we often care for those kids in intensive care. And then anything that's potentially life-threatening, pneumonia, meningitis, um, uh, other infections that could affect how an organ works. So the kidneys, for example, um, 
sometimes infection of the kidney itself, not the bladder, not a, not a regular urinary tract infection, but infection of the kidney itself can affect how it functions and that child might need to be. So anything that's life threatening or at least uh, at risk of, of uh, organ failure is in the ICU. Okay, excellent. And can you explain some of the infection control measures taken in the hospital? And like, why do some rooms have garbage bags and gowns and signs on the doors? Yeah, so many of the infections that children acquire, for example, influenza, um, are, are very contagious. So we take measures in the hospital to try to prevent the spread of those infections. So sometimes you'll see when a nurse or a doctor are entering the room, we'll put a gown and gloves and a mask on. Uh, and that's really to prevent the spread of the infection that the child may have to other other children that are in the hospital who may be at risk of those infections. Okay, so are these patients dangerous to other kids on the unit? That's a question I get a lot from parents who may have been discharged and they'll say, well, this patient next to me had, you know, had these signs on their door. Sure, yeah, no, and, and that's why we do these, take these measures so that, uh, I mean, hand washing is key, right? I mean, um, you should always wash your hands when you enter the room and exit the room so that you do prevent, because even the healthiest child gets exposed to something like um, influenza, they could, they could become infected with it. So yes, it's important that we take these measures to prevent the spread. So what other types of illnesses are you trying to prevent? Like, yeah, respiratory illnesses, anything like diarrheal illnesses? Yeah, uh, well, sepsis is uh, probably the thing that, that most concerns us. Um, and, uh, what that is is when an infection is affecting the whole body. So, for example, you can have an inf- you can have pneumonia, but as long as it's limited to the lung, then uh, often uh, the child doesn't need um, to be in an ICU. But if let's say the organism causing the pneumonia gets into the bloodstream and starts affecting the body as a whole, um, then that's when we really worry uh, about um, the uh, infection becoming overwhelming and and potentially life-threatening. So sepsis is important for us, what we look for and look out for. So another question that I get from parents is, um, did the doctor from the hospital update you? Did they tell you what happened in the ICU? Um, so do you reach out to the pediatricians? Yeah, it, it, it's challenging. We try to maintain some form of communication. Oftentimes, um, because of the electronic health record, we can send uh, written communication regularly to the physician's office. Uh, we're working on a system to try and improve communication between us and the community pediatricians so that if, for example, you like a fax or an email or a text mm-hmm. to hear about your kids that may be in the hospital, we're going to try and work on a system like that so that it suits your needs uh, and that way you're kept in the loop by what's happening with your patients. Yeah, I recently got a form from New Morris to yes, be able to exactly. Do. Um, the notes. I appreciate that. That's excellent. And then also, um, I do talk to Virginia Moore's doctors, you know, very accessible to uh, find out what's going on with the patients there. And 
Have you cared for children with flu complications and what type of complications? So the question I get is, well, Dr. Mendezi, is the flu really bad? I mean, is it just more than cough and fevers? Can it really get bad? Is it as scary as some people say? Yes, it is. Um, you know, being in a children's hospital, we often see the sicker children um, that need hospitalization and get referred to us. But it can affect, um, obviously, it can cause, lead to pneumonia. Um, with a bacteria, not just with the influenza virus. Um, we've seen it affect the brain. Um, we've seen it affect um, the muscles. We've, we've seen inflammation of the muscles where children will have um, such inflammation in their legs that they don't even want to walk um, for a few days. And more, the, probably the rarest but, but scariest is when, when it's inflammation of the heart. So we've seen that as well. So these can be very, very serious and often avoided completely with the vaccination. Right. So you recommend the flu vaccine? Absolutely. Okay. Every year, every, every child above the age of six months should receive the vaccine. For adults as well? Absolutely. To prevent, prevent why, why have, uh, it, have it in your home at all? I think, uh, especially for those who have young babies at home, that can't be vaccinated, it's important to get vaccinated so you don't pass it to them. Exactly, excellent. And many parents get nervous when a child is admitted to the hospital. So obviously every admission is different, but can you give us a general description of what happens in the hospital when a child has to be admitted? Do the parents get to stay with the child? What should the family bring? Are the siblings allowed to stay or visit? Is food provided? Yeah, so that's that's a great question. Um, it is scary to have your child admitted to the hospital, and at children's hospitals and in many hospitals, modern hospitals, um, the rooms are now uh, built to uh, accommodate the families as well, so that um, at least one of the parents can stay with the child uh, during their whole hospital stay, so that they don't have to have to leave now. During influenza season, um, some hospitals, uh, children's hospitals in particular, will limit the um, visitation of young siblings um, so that um, they, they're not exposed um, to uh, organisms that might be in the hospital. But for the most part, yes, if it's, if it's not flu season, if your child's having an operation, then yes, they want the the family to visit. They want to create this less, uh, reduce the, the anxiety that mm -hmm. is, it causes being in the hospital. Um, we have specialists called child life specialists that know um, the needs of children based on their age and, and try to create an environment that's less scary by providing them with age appropriate uh, activities and toys and things to distract them uh, while they're there. Um, yes, you can, if the child doesn't have a diet restriction, you can bring in food okay. from the outside. So all these things are really done to try to make it less scary for the child and the family. So sometimes the parents will say, well, I have to stop at home and I have to pack. But sometimes it's a real emergency where they really need to get down sure. there. So if they, a child doesn't have clothes or a toothbrush, that's okay. Yeah, that's all provided. I mean, uh, you know, and, and certainly 
once things settle down um, and your child is is more stable, then you can obviously go home and get what you need for yourself as well as your child so that you're both comfortable in the hospital while you're there. Excellent. Thank you. And what is RSV and how can a parent of a young baby prevent the child from getting RSV? Yeah, RSV is a viral infection, respiratory syncytial virus, uh, comes every year and in Florida it's year round, so um, it's unavoidable. Um, 90% of children will have it by the time they're two years of age. Um, of course, the younger infants, um, less than six months, it, it can be uh, where it, they, it, they end up in the hospital because of the inflammation that it causes in the breathing tubes in the lungs. And so they may have difficulty breathing. They may require oxygen. A very, very small percent might need uh, the support of a ventilator. But um, so what can they do to prevent it? <laughs> That's a great one. Uh <laughs> Hand washing, mm -hmm. keeping uh, sick folks away from, especially infants. Um, you know, if, if you have a two-month-old at home, I don't recommend that, you know, someone with a cold hold the baby. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, siblings, uh, it, they're going to want to touch their siblings. So, uh, But it, mm -hmm. keeping everyone's hands as clean as possible, I think, is important. And wiping down surfaces because... You know, if someone touches their nose and touches a countertop, that certainly can, can pass the infection along. And why are babies more likely to be hospitalized with the RSV virus? Yeah, so, I mean, as you can imagine, their breathing tubes are smaller, their nasal passages are smaller, and, of course, uh, babies tend to breathe prefer to breathe through their nose and the two places RSV causes the most inflammation is the nose and in the small breathing tube. So they're prone to having difficulty when they get that inflammation and mucus production in both places uh, and it can affect how, and they may not be able to feed well. Um, so they may need hydration uh, through, through an IV um, while they're recovering from it. But Fortunately, you know most babies do okay with it, but it, it can it can become it can become serious, and they okay. could end up in the intensive care unit. Sure. And what months do you see a lot of RSV in Florida? Yeah, the summer months we see it less, but certainly the fall and winter months are are, are really when. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with school too, right? The kids are all sequestered together, and they just pass things around. <laughs> and so, um, and certainly it, we can see it throughout the year, but the fall and winter months are, are when we see more of it. Okay. And with the recent drownings reported in the media. Can you share or describe um, the difference between the wet and dry drowning and how common is this? Yeah, so, um, yeah, drowning is, is very, uh, very serious, and that's something we do see in the intensive care unit. And, you know, most children, uh, when they drown, um, they actually don't get a lot of water into their lungs. They swallow a lot of water. Um, and they may vomit and aspirate some water, but, but they often don't get a lot of water into their lungs. So 
Um, but the lack of oxygen is really the, what causes the problem, right? Um, they're not able to breathe underwater so that any lack of oxygen and especially to the brain um, is, is really the, the most serious consequence of drowning. And so, you know, having a perimeter around your pool, a fence, um, an alarm, so that if the water, so if someone falls in it'll, the water, uh, there's an alarm that will sound. Anything you can do to prevent it is probably the most important swim thing. Lessons. And swim lessons would be good too. Mm -hmm. um, and how common are the drownings? Fortunately, it's not terribly common, but, but they do happen. And when, and, and if a child, um, starts breathing at the scene uh, of the accident, of the drowning, uh, they usually do okay. okay it's the ones that are submerged for a while that they're not breathing until they get to the hospital that, that we worry about them having consequences of injury to their organs from the lack of oxygen. Okay. So it's, it's fortunately, it's not it's not a daily occurrence. It's not that frequent, but certainly when it happens um, to anyone, it's 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 unfortunate, and um, and we 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 don't um, we encourage everybody to do what they can to prevent. Unfortunately, we do have the highest rates in the country because yes, we do. Well, the pools exactly, and lots of pools, the ocean. Nice. It's warm all year round. Mm -hmm. So that's why exactly prevention, yes. swimming lessons or pool fences and people always watching. Yeah, absolutely. Any closing thoughts for us, Dr. Torres? No, I mean, I, I appreciate you having me here today. And, um, you know, anytime um, anybody has any uh, concerns uh, about uh, children's health, please reach out to Dr. Mondesi. And, uh, of course, Namores is here to to help you guys uh, as much as we can. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for being here today. Yeah, sure. So Dr. Torres's information will also be posted on our Facebook page. And if you have any questions, feel free to post them for us. Take care. Have a good afternoon.